How can small companies meet the challenges of supply chain disruptions? Look out, Chinese New Year could cause even more delays. And leaders of freight companies are bullish on 2022. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the group editorial director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Aptian. Aptian is a global provider of mission-critical, industry-specific logistics and transportation management solutions. Aptian Proof of Delivery delivers the most advanced transportation systems to world-leading brands, helping to transform final mile delivery services, boost operational efficiencies, and drive business growth. Armed with the right tools, your delivery operation can be a powerful vehicle to deliver game-changing customer service, fully optimize processes, and supercharge your strategy for continuous improvement. If you're ready to reap the rewards and change the game in your delivery operation, Aptian can help. For more information, visit aptian.com and discover what's next now. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insights into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, supply chain disruptions have caused headaches for all companies, but smaller companies don't have the clout that large companies have to resolve some of those issues. So how can smaller firms navigate the choppy supply chain waters? To find out, here is Victoria with today's guest. Victoria? Thank you, Dave. Uh, Yes, our guest this week is Brian George, Vice President of Sales and Logistics for Massachusetts-based company Petrageous Designs. As you said, Brian's here to talk to us about the challenges facing shippers, especially small companies as 2022 unfolds. Uh, Welcome, Brian. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. First, can you start off by just telling us a little bit about Petrageous Designs? Uh, What does your company do? Uh, Petrageous Designs is a pet accessory company. So we manufacture pet clothing, um, dog and cat bowls uh, in different in different medians, uh, stoneware, stainless steel, um, also do placemats and metal feeders and wood feeders. So we kind of do the whole feeding business uh, in pet for cat and dog, and then also have a pet apparel uh, line as well that goes with it. Great, and you, um, uh, so you design everything and where is it uh, made? Uh, we design everything in house. Uh, we're right uh, based right outside of Boston. Uh, manufacturing we do in India and also in China. Great. So you're uh, you're uh, importing all kinds of stuff. Um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the logistics uh, challenges you've been facing as an importer these last uh, couple of years, especially? Uh, yeah, the the biggest challenge uh, right now has been uh, acquiring space on vessels and getting containers booked from overseas. Uh, to get on the vessels. And then once they come over here, um, we're seeing much longer uh, wait times uh, trying to get those vessels into the actual port. Um, We have seen anywhere from 45 uh, at the height to right now around three weeks or so once a vessel makes it into uh, outside the port to actually get in the port. So that's causing a lot of uh, strain on us with um we also have a 
a seasonal type of business. Um, so it's important that we get these goods in to hit these seasons. And that's been a little bit of the struggle over the last year. And you're dealing with mostly the West Coast ports, is that right? We write a lot about um, the backups there in particular. So is that where you're seeing most of the headaches? Yeah, most of the headaches have come from uh, the LA port, uh, Long Beach, um, but we also uh, come into the East Coast. So Savannah has been a port that we've been using, but uh, that has become congested too. So we've had to reroute some orders to go to Charleston and then also Jacksonville, Florida. So we have to kind of move around based on the port situation at the time. Yeah, uh, we uh, we write a lot about this and we often think about the challenges of products sort of sitting out at sea like you're talking about, you know, just waiting to be unloaded. I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about what happens for companies like yours, um, you know, once they kind of make it to the docks, what other challenges do you face when it comes to, you know, getting them products on the road or in warehousing, uh, getting them to the store shelves? Yeah, once we finally get the vessel into the port, uh, the biggest challenges have been uh, getting trucks to get in there and pull them out. Uh, the port congestion is is uh, pretty strong still. So even though a trucker may be dispatched to go and try and retrieve a container, um, we're finding that sometimes the long wait, uh, he'll be turned away, not being able to get it that night and then have to book a new appointment to go back in. So the appointment schedules that the docks have, um, you have to get an appointment and then we have to get the truck in there during that time to try and pull the actual shipment. So we're finding challenges there as well as the fee charges that have uh, started to come upon us with demerge charges being uh, levied against us. Um, have to pull a container out once it becomes released in a certain amount of days and then return the container back uh, in that say in another in another time period so it's a stress from just getting it from the port to our warehouse having our warehouse unloaded and then returning that uh, container back to the port how does this compare I, I don't know if you can sort of give us a picture of how this compares to sort of larger companies it, everybody's having a problem but how is this kind of unique uh, to, to smaller companies like yours um, well, we, we we're a little bit more constrained on our uh, time frame from when a container gets released at the port to when how long we can have it. Uh, when you come to the biggest uh, companies, they have uh, obviously some set rates that they have with different carriers, and they've been able to extend those times uh, that they have from getting container from port and getting the container back to port. So therefore we're finding where there's issues at the port with chassis availability. So when a trucker goes there, there may not be a chassis available. So therefore he can't pick up the, the container. So we find it all different ways of um, getting it from port to warehouse back to the container back to the port. Yeah. Um, so how what effect has this had on your business in the past two years? Um, the the effect has been uh, obviously trying to work much further out on lead times, um, trying to predict forecasting out a lot further than we had to before with manufacturing time increasing and then the shipping increasing. So 
it's a balancing act to work with customers and uh, to get that that cadence down. And this year, everyone has started to work a lot earlier, knowing that these problems exist. Um, coming out of the pandemic or when it was at the height and stores were closed and DCs were closed, and uh, you know people were unsure. So when the ordering process started to happen, it just kind of all slammed together and created this scenario that we're looking at now. Yeah, um, my next question is kind of a, a crystal ball type of one. Do you see any relief on the horizon? In in talking to um, you know people from across the industry, we hear that the what's what's been going on is pretty much here to stay for a while. But do you see anything sort of changing in the coming months? Um, I guess. You know, at this point right now, um, you know, with Chinese New Year coming, it's, you know, it's a rush to get freight out, then it's going to be another rush after um, where we're trying to be positive that, you know, come this late spring, early summer, that we'll see a lot of this kind of cleared up. But when it comes to freight rates and overall costs, we don't see that receding at this time um, back anywhere near normal levels uh you know when this was going on we were paying three to four times higher the rates than we ever had before so well, we we're hoping to see a little shift back but um that's yet to be seen yeah that sounds like a common refrain from others mm -hmm. i talked to as well um i'll just wrap up by asking you know any insight or advice you'd give to other small businesses or to the larger logistics community about how to deal with all the um, congestion, high costs we've been talking about. I, I think the, the the main focus for anyone is to work with a lot longer lead time and to, uh, you know, secure space as soon as you can to try and uh, get around this. Because like you said, a crystal ball, I wish we all had one to, to really understand when this may ease. But uh, it's just trying to be as upfront as you can on buys and getting product in and making sure you stay that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for being here. Um, this, was a, this was a great conversation. Uh, we've been talking with Brian George, Vice President of Sales and Logistics for Pet Rageous Designs. Back to you, Dave. Thank you, Brian and Victoria. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. And Ben, you wrote this week about the possible impacts on supply chains of the Chinese New Year, which starts next week. Can you tell us more? Yeah, for sure, Dave. Um, you know, and, and this really dovetails into Victoria's conversation with our guest here today. Brian was talking about uh, the rising challenges of getting space on the vessels, uh, delays in delivery when you do get space on them, uh, further delays when they hit the port congestion. Um, and as he had touched on, um, this year we're coming up on the latest potential hurdle for additional logistics flows, uh, which is Chinese New Year. So that runs this year from January 31st to February 6th, so next week. And it's so widely observed uh, that factories across that country typically shut down because so many workers take extended holidays and they travel home to spend time with their families. So that travel actually means that the factory closures typically last for much more than just a week, uh, covering a significant part of the month of February. Uh, and of course, it's not just China. Uh, the actual holiday is called Lunar New Year, 
and it's commemorated across many nations uh, throughout Asia and the Far East. So this happens every year. So supply chain professionals have been planning for months to deal with these impacts. Um, a report this week from Container Exchange, that's a German firm that tracks shipping container flows and prices, say um, that they always expect a spike in container shipping demand ahead of the Lunar New Year holidays uh, because shippers are looking to get their cargo out ahead of factory closures uh, to try to fit it in before the um, events happen, before things get slowed down there. And that planning ahead uh, has already caused spot rate increases uh, for containers moving out of China in January. Uh, so, so far, so good. But the challenge here is that 2022 uh, may be different from other years. Uh, for one thing, Atlantic and Pacific container rates were already much higher than they've been in years, as we've seen uh, from pandemic disruptions. So the increased rates come on top of that uh, enormous elevated rates. Uh, and there's also a pandemic going on. Uh, China has become somewhat infamous for its zero tolerance policy. They're known for shutting down entire ports when they detect a single case of COVID in a, a sailor on a container ship or a dock worker. So Container Exchange, the, the firm pointed out that it's unclear uh, if China will actually even allow those millions of workers to travel for holidays this year or Chinese New Year because of those COVID lockdown policies. Uh, it just makes it very, very hard to plan for. Uh, another thing that's different in 2022, of course, is that the Beijing Winter Olympics start next week. Uh, that could possibly raise the chance of COVID outbreaks just because of the increased international travel um, and or shutdowns to prevent the, the spread of them. Uh, and thirdly, before any of this started, China was already suffering from ongoing electricity power shortages. Uh, and so that has caused uh, the leaders in Beijing to do rationing of electricity, uh, and that forces occasionally closures at certain manufacturing points. Uh, so there's a lot of uncertainty going on. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. And obviously, it makes it very hard for shippers and carriers to plan. So how are the container shipping markets reacting? Well, as we said, spot freight rates are already up for goods coming out of China, as expected. And in a survey of forwarders and shippers, uh, Container Exchange found that two-thirds of the respondents expect these Chinese New Year factory closures to further disrupt container shipping supply chains. Uh, specifically, the uh, survey predicted uh, delayed transit times across the ocean and a reduced availability of containers to put your goods in. Uh, I also saw some additional data from the supply chain technology term Project 44, who said that there's an increase in shipping delays uh, from China to Europe, and delays are also rising for goods moving uh, from China to the U.S. West Coast. So maritime carriers are struggling with schedule reliability. Uh, those effects will probably cause a ripple effect downstream through supply chains, and that is on schedule to keep those spot rates high throughout most of 2022, Project 44 said. Uh, but going back to the container exchange report, there might be a potential upside here. If there's reduced output from China in February, maybe that could allow container lines uh, and those congested ports to get vessel schedules in better order and work through the backlog a little bit. Uh, of course, however, once the Lunar New Year is over, there might be a backlog of cargo building up back in China, uh, so that could raise another surge of incoming goods. So there are a lot of factors in motion here, 
and it's a little unclear how it's going to play out. Yeah. Looks like we'll be an interesting ride ahead on the ocean waves. Thanks, Ben. Yep. And Victoria, you wrote this week that leaders of freight companies are rather bullish in how 2022 will shape up despite the challenges. What are they saying? Yeah, that's right, Dave. So um, as, a, as you say, freight industry leaders are expecting more of the same from the economy this year as strong demand for logistics services that marked uh, 2021 continues. Um, I, I heard a lot about this this week. I was at the um, SMC3 Jumpstart Conference in Atlanta earlier in the week, um, and that brings together leaders in this space. Uh, more than 450 people turned out for the event, um, which was held in person for the first time since uh, January 2020, just before the onset of the pandemic. And as a side note, you know, those numbers actually were down just a little bit from where they were before the pandemic. The event typically draws more than 500 people. So it was, um, it, that's what SMC3, excuse me, officials told me. So uh, the turnout was viewed as a great success. So there were a lot of people there talking about these issues and the hot topic discussed were the ongoing labor challenge, especially in trucking, um, economic volatility and supply chain disruptions, which they say they expect to continue, um, tight capacity across freight markets, and the recent passage of the infrastructure bill. So a lot of, um, uh, you know, talk that, you know, conditions are going to still be really busy in this market, but some challenges as well. Are there any issues that stood out to you or got the most attention? Yeah, definitely. Um, costs and labor challenges were two of the issues that seemed to um, come up regardless of the topic or aspect of the industry being discussed. Um, the cost of doing business now is very high, as we know, and there was considerable talk about the effects of the inflationary environment and how that may play out in the year ahead. But most interesting to me was the labor discussion that seemed to underpin um, just about everything. And it turns out there's some optimism out there, particularly when it comes to finding truck drivers. Uh, several of the, of the speakers at the event pointed to um, an, an industry and government-led pilot program designed to recruit younger drivers to the industry as a real bright spot on the horizon. Um, this is a federal pilot program, um, which essentially lowers the age requirement to get a CDL or commercial driver's license to 18. Um, there are some states that have younger um, thresholds, but to cross state lines, um, you've had to be uh, 21 or older. So this that's the difference. Um, and this was part of the infrastructure bill passed by Congress last fall. The program includes what um, proponents say is a rigorous training and apprenticeship aspect. And that's viewed by many to be in the, a step in the right direction to fill the, I think it's more than 80,000 open driver positions out there, um, according to industry data. Um, also during the event, some trucking industry event uh, executives, excuse me, uh, talked about their company's efforts to step up recruiting as well. Um, so there seems to be a lot going on. And as I said, a lot of optimism in this area, at least that maybe we can start addressing the uh, labor challenge on the, on the truck driving side. Yeah, well, anything to help the tight labor situation among the drivers is very welcomed. Thanks, Victoria. You're welcome. We encourage our listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories and check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. Thanks, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights from the news this week. Always glad to do it. Yes, glad to be here, Dave. And again, our thanks to Brian George of Pet Rages Designs for being our guest. And we welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. 
And speaking of subscribing, we encourage you to check out our 11-part limited podcast series from CSCMP's Supply Chain Quarterly on the top 10 supply chain threats. Search on your favorite podcast platform to subscribe and to listen to the past episodes. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Aftian. Forged from decades of industry experience, Aftian Proof of Delivery supports global delivery fulfillment operations with the tools they need to increase efficiencies, gain real-time visibility, automate communications, and enhance the delivery experience for customers. Your delivery operation can be a powerful vehicle to deliver game-changing customer service, reduce costs, and drive growth. Aptian Proof of Delivery can help. Visit aptian.com and discover how now. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters, so be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week.